Welcome to Between the Vines. My name is Kevin Martin. I'm here with Jennifer Phillips Russo. We're the Lake Erie Regional Grape Program of Pennsylvania State University and Cornell University. We wanted to bring you another update in the midst of the Lake Erie region's harvest season for Concord, which is when we get really busy. Uh, so I know a lot of our growers are hopefully driving around in circles most days, every day, um, making sure those vineyards are harvested this year. And one of the things we just wanted to update you on is a lot of diversity of, uh, of of how things are going during harvest, depending on which grower you talk to and where you're located. So um, maybe bring you some information uh, because I know you're all stuck in your little corners of the world in your harvester and uh, bring you some information about how it's going across town and across counties and, and things like that. Uh, so Jen, I don't know if you wanted to start, but... Um, sure. I know you had some weather data that you were looking at, and that was one of the things that's been varying from place to place. I actually wanted to start off with, you know, goggles and a snorkel and swimmies so that we could do this if anybody was watching it via video. We've had quite a bit of rain across the region since Friday. We were actually just looking at the total precipitation from Friday until this morning, and some are definitely getting hit harder than others. And keep in mind that this is not a newest station that is at every single acreage it is just located centrally located with some acres so like kevin i know that you had an issue where it was raining about 150 feet away from a weather station and that weather station wasn't collecting the data so this is well the weather station was working but yeah if you walked over for for a good i mean i didn't hang out there all day but for a good 10 or 15 minutes it just that storm was not moving at all <laughs> craziness mm -hmm. So there have been some of our stations in the in the network that were recording over four inches of rain just since Friday. With averaging, I don't have an average on here, but I would say average is probably three inches, maybe just under three inches of rain since Friday. So it is, by the way, Tuesday morning when we are recording this. So looking at just, let's see, Brant. Brant was that's in an area between Buffalo and Silver Creek had just over four inches of rain. Brockton in the tried to heading down 20 in the gravel vines there. That was just 2.6 inches. Dunkirk had 2.7 inches. Fredonia was over three inches, 3.2. I mean, it's been crazy. Down heading down towards Pennsylvania. Harbor Creek had almost four inches, 3.9. And the Northeast Lab had 3.6 inches. It's just a little bit wet out there, which I know can wreak havoc, not only on your machinery getting through your vines, but bins or gondolas filling up with rain as you're trying to harvest. It's just, it's a mess out there. <laughs> and, you know, one of the other areas where I think there's been sort of some diversity based on location has been, um, the, just the ripening curve and I'm sure almost entirely related to crop load. So it sounds like the, a lot of the processors have planned for some of this rain, which was pretty well forecasted, which is you know not unusual when there's four inches or two and a half inches coming your way. So I know both of the growers co-op and national grape shut down for at least a day to do cleanup, specifically targeting the rain uh, because there is, you know, I've seen some pretty high bricks here and there but there's also some it sounds like some people either waiting or at least they're certainly not picking in the rain or they're not you know they're not picking their heaviest stuff right now they're they're strategically 
picking and harvesting, waiting for sugar accumulation to continue. A little concerned about dilution there. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, you know, I think like, like you've seen in Pennsylvania, it seems like the crop loads are pretty high where there was frost last year, which just makes sense. Makes but, sense, right? But yeah, um, it, it's not a showing up at the plant yet. If you just look at numbers, whether you look at growers co-op or um, uh, national grape, because they've sort of strategically kind of avoided harvesting some of those grapes. Um, you know, plant averages are all above 16. So nobody's yet rolling the dice on things that are very close 15 to 15 very often. Um, and uh, I don't know if all of our growers know how um, paper blending works at Growers Co-op, but uh, it's likely that their minimum standard will be 15 this year. So I think uh, they're, they're planning on that as growers or as individual growers are trying to reach that 15 bricks before they start harvesting. Um, at least that's what it looks like based on the data. And I haven't heard anything from the processors individually to confirm that or not. But. Well, so yeah, I mean, so the way paper blending works with growers co-op is it, it's going to be based on what other growers and what the plant average ends up being. And it's sort of a deviation from that. And there's a, I think, a reasonable chance that um, that standard will be above 15, but when it is above 15, 15 becomes the lesser standard to make sure that they don't accidentally have a statistically high bricks year where some grower has to reach bricks higher than what they actually need to reach uh, or to market the product. So I would anticipate that growers, the, the individual harvesters themselves are concerned about needing to reach 15 bricks this year, because like I said, we're seeing a lot of areas that have fairly high bricks. Um, right. You know, the plant average averages are all above 16, uh, at least from the plants that I've I've seen. Um, I don't think everybody's open yet, so we don't know what their plant averages are if they haven't opened. And um, there was I, I there was a couple of, you know, facilities for wine that opened up before the 18th of September, like the week of the 11th, they're obviously not very concerned with bricks. That's not what they're going for. So I would imagine that their average bricks are lower, but um, that's not the point. So, so uh, it, that's fine. Um, you know, you look at, it looked like even Niagara grapes were fairly sweet this year. Uh, most people I think averaged over 14, which because of the earlier, early harvest. That's about as much as you would expect, I would think. Um, so there wasn't, I don't think there was a lot of diversity that comes out in that average, in that average. I mean, maybe there was a grower here and there that had 12 bricks, but um, that's a pretty high average for, for Niagara's. Well, and most of the growing season was just, the weather was just beautiful. Right just beautiful and people had a really good did a really good job with their spray programs this year and i know that having that bright sun was helpful as well but hearing that canopies had stay cleaned even the ones that had like cadillac spray programs were just starting to see pow powdery build up because of all this rain in some vineyards so yeah i mean the, the things that were clean i i haven't seen any disease in uh i i I think I definitely see some, a lot of great berry moth. Yes, I see that as well. I have seen a lot of powdery and 
downy, but again, those were in some vineyards where spray intervals just got away from people and also some product might be slipping. So, right. Yeah. I would imagine you'd have to have sort of a compound of factors this year. If you were seeing that in Concord, particularly downy mildew, I wouldn't no. expect to see any downy. No, not um, but yes, I mean, it was, a, it was a year of, you know, variability. So in vinifera, sure. If you miss something or even in Niagara's, if you miss something or use the wrong product, there was enough rain later in the season so that you definitely could have had some issues with your leaves for sure. Not just rain, but there were some times with just high humidity without yeah. rain for door, mm-hmm. day, I almost doors on end, days on end. Yeah. That so, as well. But I, I think for the most part, what I saw in Concord and hopefully all of our growers that listen to this, you know, sort of followed this path of, look, prices are really high. There hasn't been a substantial change in the cost of materials for for fungicides or even insecticides. If anything, those prices are lower. So, you know, let's do a little bit of IPM, but let's also go nuts. Like if we scout and we see something, we can target it and we can spend money to target it. Um, you know, and that's, again, not to say that IPM is a bad thing, but it is to say, like, if you start to see stuff or you start to be concerned about things, you can use a better material, which may also be a little more IPM friendly. Um, and so I, th- I think we did see a lot of that. Um, I agree. But not 100% of the acreage, for sure. So so for the most part, I think things are clean. I th- I see just driving around, I still see, well, I won't see it now, but but two weeks ago, I think I saw a lot of copper that was still on the leaves. Um, so that's a good way to, you know, that's a nice insurance policy that might not necessarily be IPM where you don't necessarily think you need to keep your leaves healthy for this year, but maybe you want to lower inoculum for next year. Saw it in a lot of vineyards where yields are probably less than six tons to the acre. So I don't think they were worried about ripening. No, um, I did recommend it to a couple growers as well, just for eradicant. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that this was a year where, uh, you know, it growers were investing in that disease control for sure. So I didn't I didn't see very much. Um, And the growers that are going to harvest late, I think they're going to need it, not necessarily for powdery. But like I said, I'm seeing grape berry moth. I think the where grape berry moth hit earlier than August 5th, I mean, there's there's what looks like secondary rots that are taken over about half of some of the clusters and you know how many clusters I think that really depends on the site so you know if you're marketing to a processor that hasn't opened yet or you're in a situation where you haven't delivered a load yet because of low bricks uh, it's it's going to be a bit of a struggle because that that damage I think continues to compound as time goes on and 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 it, particularly i think when your bricks are higher so if you're if you're not harvesting because your processor isn't open or if you know all of your stuff is going to eventually hit 15 bricks in two weeks or in a week that's going to make it more difficult because there will be time where where they uh are are at a higher level of bricks and just getting damaged but you know, I think this is a this is an important reminder that we can sort of try to manage for this diversity at harvest time. Um, 
you know, I, I know a lot of growers are, are very apprehensive about fruit thinning and um, a lot of growers sort of only deliver to one processor. And those two things are, are both increase the risk of some of these problems that occur. Um, having a diversity in where you deliver your grapes allows you to produce a more diverse crop and harvest it at a wider range like harvesters or processors never open up on the same day when crops are light a harvest should be four and a half weeks long but we're you know um let's see how far how far along are we wait we're two weeks into it 10 days yeah i mean so so you could be harvesting for two weeks before one of your processors even opens so you could end up with a seven week harvest on a short year if you deliver to enough places um, that's not always the most popular thing to to advertise, but but it does allow you to have a lot of flexibility in your operations so that you're not trying to harvest seven loads a day or you're not trying to make sure everything reaches 15 bricks on September 27th. And you're not uh, having a lot of shelling if there's a lot of barium moth pressure. Right. That's and this was a good year. I, I mean, I think some growers could have I mean, sort of my philosophy on thinning is um, there is no magic number for what your crop load should be. There's a magic number for each particular year, but but we don't know exactly what's going to happen between 30 days post bloom and harvest. So to vary that crop load a little bit, um, you know, trying to target like what are you going to harvest the first week versus what are you going to harvest the last week, uh, you know, I think in an ideal world from a viticultural perspective, you would say, we probably want everything to be ripe 32 days after veration, right? Like, because that's gonna give the plant, uh, the the grape plant, the, the opportunity to, to do its thing and to set yourself up for next year. But if you can't do that with 100% of your acreage, you could do it with 25% of your acreage. Right. And then if things go better than expected in the post veration world, um, you're 100% of your vineyard can do its thing. And if things go worse than expected, at least 25% of your acreage is still set up for a good year next year. And you have something to do that first week of harvest because you know 25% of your acreage is gonna be right. Um, and, you know, I, 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 you know, I think as extension, we're a big proponent of trying to control risk. But one of the things we can do is also, you know, have different levels of risk in different blocks. And that's that's one way to allow for more risk without things getting out of hand, like I would say they did last year. Um, I know growers had a very good year. It was a very successful year. But before all of that happened, before November in hindsight was 2020, um, looking at that from the, from the perspective of September 27th, 2021, it was a just unnecessarily scary time through November and, 9th wasn't it oh my goodness right and we're seeing you know I'm seeing in the vineyard lower tonnage that will never and and never did get harvested so you know just not a hypothetical example just like an actual example that doesn't apply to everybody it's 15 tons to the acre three tons fell off in October and November so there was only 12 that were harvested and now there's 
four ton to the acre. And that probably would have been at least six if that those three tons that just fell on the ground anyway had been thinned off. Thinned off, they could have and, been right. So you would have had the cost of thinning, but you but the but there would have been no grape cost or yield cost to thinning because they fell off anyway. And I think there was a lot of that last year. And I, you know, I think growers recognize that, but it is very difficult to make that decision 30 days post bloom and actually absolutely make that decision. And when the market is was as high as it was for the past decades last year, I, I get it. <laughs> but this year, you're right. And now we're seeing lower yields because of right. those higher tonnage that shelled a lot. Right. Where they well, might and, and I, higher this know, year than they thinned. When things are that crazy, it's a little bit of a leap. Price-wise, it's a little bit of a leap to say it's definitely worth it to thin. I mean, there were some pressures last year to not thin. Things looked like they were ripening pretty normally. Uh, you know, we were spoiled by four or five excellent post-verasian falls uh, late summers in a row. Last year was not great. It wasn't no. ideal. Um, so I think growers were sort of planning on the ideal and hoping that they could, you know, just get 10, 12, 15 ton to the acre at $400 a ton. Um, and, you know, thinning off a ton last year, there was no guarantee that prices were going to be high this year. So you could right. be losing a $400 a ton grape and replacing it with a $200 a ton grape, theoretically. Um, and so, so yeah, there was a lot of pressure to not thin, which is why I go back to that. But what if you just thinned, say, 25% of your acreage and, and you controlled that risk because what I think growers could have said pretty easily 30 days post-bloom is there is no way I, I'm going to have issues the first five days of harvest. Like there is no way that this is going to be easy the first week. I'm that Maybe they're thinking, yeah, I'm going to be fine because weeks, what ended up being two through six, <laughs> I'm going to be right for those weeks. But, um, but, you know, there would have been a real yield advantage to being able to harvest that first week. And we did recommend that. I we, think I may have said exactly that. Yeah, I was going to say, I know that I had said that to parts of your acreage. Right, right. And, you know, we're seeing a little bit of that this year. I don't have a great solution, but when you really roll the dice and you give yourself a yield that's that out of place with your vine size, we're seeing some pretty small vines this year in certain locations. There's a lot of variability, but um, in certain locations, small vines and small crop. And thinning doesn't work very well to increase that vine size once it can't even maintain a small crop. So you so. just gave me like a great segue to plug for people to get out there. You know where your variation is and especially pay attention to it this year as you're harvesting and you know what your tonnage is going out. Note those areas. You can even use the MyEV tool to market on that platform as to where they're lower and where they're higher so that you can go back and take pruning weights this year. Take a couple, you don't have to prune, take pruning weights for your entire acreage, just go to your spots that are representative of, you know, this 60% of our tonnage was this, let's take some vines in those areas and take some pruning weights to kind of watch that and know what your vine right. size is for next year. And if you start to see pruning weights that are well below two pounds, that's sort of when you have to adjust crop yield uh, at pruning time, which is not a strategy that we necessarily universally recommend like the idea is to leave up too much and thin it later right yeah um, frost and freeze but if you need to build your vine size up right to build it up from two pounds to three pounds you can do that through fruit thinning 
but to build it up from one to two, it can be problematic. And I think it's probably just a mechanical struggle. Like if you did your thinning by hand, maybe it would work, um, but it doesn't seem to work particularly well for um, very small vines and very small crops. So you've got to do it when you prune, which is, I know it's difficult this now because you have to tell your pruning crews to prune differentially in a block, which they're not going to do on a vine by vine basis anymore. You know, they're going to, you guys know, they're going to look at a small vine and say, look, I already pruned that one and that not prune anything off of it. And then if there's one big vine in that lousy block, they're going to prune it like crazy because right. it's big. So, you know, this is actually where I think mechanized pruning has a, has an advantage and you're able to sort of manually differentially prune probably better than a crew can. Uh, and if you get a crew that can do it differentially, at least within that block, like just scale that block, that entire block back to 80 buds. Um, that's probably something that some blocks are going to need next year, even though it's going to make for a smaller crop. And again, don't do it to 100% of your acreage. Do it to whatever, a percentage of whatever needs to be done or all of whatever needs to be done, depending on what your situation is. You know, if you have if you have one 10 acre block out of 200 that just has one pound vines, you know, you know, you can fix that in a year. If you have a hundred acres and they all have 0.8 pound vines, then maybe you just do a percentage. But um, that's, that's really, I, I think that's what it takes is it's gotta be done at pruning time when they, when they really get taxed like that, or it just takes so many years. To bring it back. Right? Yeah. I mean, it takes luck, right? Like, yeah. Oh, things weren't as fruitful and we had a great growing season and, and, <laughs> um, and I, you know, I think we saw a little bit of that in some of the experiments where, where Bates really, where Dr. Bates really pushes things to the point of unreasonableness for the purpose of science, right? Like if he's trying, trying to draw a C in a vineyard that could show up from outer space or, uh, <laughs> you know, he's trying to get the pH below four which I, we don't have results from that yet, but, but that's going to be another area where I think you'll see vine size where the traditional method of just, you know, taking off three ton of fruit is not as effective. So if we come up with better ways to do it, we'll certainly let you know. Well, absolutely. Sort of the point of being here. <laughs> yeah. There's no formal research into that right now, but I can see where, you know, if we have problematic areas in a vineyard block, we'll, we'll we have you know staff that's going to be looking for creative solutions to fix that those problems. So you know, our vineyards are just like your vineyards in that sense sometimes. Well, that could be a plug for uh, our advisory committee. <laughs> As a grower out there wanting some sort of research or always having a question about, please consider being a part of our advisory committee where we meet usually at least twice a year to discuss what. Our growers need what you want us to look into what you need programming on so contact us here at the office if you're interested yes absolutely and you know this is this is definitely becoming a very difficult year and i don't think it was back in july but no. a very difficult year as a educator to try to discuss what's going on in vineyards because like i said at the beginning of the podcast things are very different from vineyard to vineyard right now uh, in terms of what we're seeing in yields and vine size and crop load, um, you know, I'm hearing a lot of reports of 
bricks under 14, but then I'm looking at plant averages of 16.2, 16.5, which, you know, makes sense, like the, because those grapes just aren't being harvested. So it just doesn't show up. But obviously, there's some high bricks out there. If there's, you know, thousands of tons being harvested in the first couple of days above 16. So Right. And it's a type of variability that some of those are just bigger vines. Some of those are vines that froze last year. There's a lot of different reasons for all of that. Right. Right. And we have some reports of how bad those yields are that are yielding bricks like that. But I, that's variable as well. So we will certainly know more when, when those higher brick uh, blocks just run out of grapes, because certainly some growers are just covering tons and tons of acreage right now. Right. Uh, and others are a little more moderate, you know. Um, so it, I think it, it just depends a lot. You know, there's 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 some six, seven ton yields out there that are yielding 16 bricks. But there's also a whole bunch of stuff that's two, three tons to the acre and trying to quantify how much of each is is pretty challenging right now as we, you know, continue to be, be sort of frustrated by variable effects like you did all that crop estimation in july and i think this rainfall will probably improve some of the yields that were predicted right because we should see above average berry size i would think i mean it'll be interesting to see that one more week of data which we don't have on that berry curve but now that we've had all this rain we'll we'll see if either berry size goes up or if or if it sort of reached capacity and they start splitting or combination of both. They were on their way to plateauing this last week. So we'll see what happens. Right. So once they reach that plateau though, that it sort of looks like a tail, but that tail can kind of wag, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I Don't laugh at me. This is not my joke. I think Terry's told it two or three times, so I can't take any credit. Yes, that so, tail can definitely wag. Right. And so that's, as I recall, that's easily a couple of tenths, three tenths on the on the berry curve, which is, you know, 10% of your crop, one one direction or the other. So, so we'll see in, in Northeast where things might be a little overcropped in some vineyards, we'll probably have to wait for that dilution to go away. So that you may not realize that 10%. Because they're, they're one of the ones with higher rainfall as well. So <laughs> yes, so that should be challenging that was a you know i think we got reminded of that last year when when weather was favorable in the sense that it didn't get cold and the rain wouldn't stop the berries wouldn't dehydrate either like this is not a day length thing right. <laughs> just looking outside again it's still raining here yes. it's still raining yeah. here in portland new york <laughs> I think I think that's all we have this week. Uh, I know everyone is very busy harvesting, but if you are on your telephones and you want to contact us that way and suggest more topics for podcasts, please feel free. You can continue to text and email as always. We don't necessarily expect it this time of year, but if you want to, you're more than welcome. And uh, we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back next week. And thank you, thank you all for for joining us. Anything from you, Jen? Yeah, just be safe out there and we'll see y'all next week. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. See you next week. Bye, everyone.